I mean, but unemployment allows you so many opportunities, like chasing a dude that you had a random makeout sesh with across the Southwest. Maybe that's where my destiny lies. <laughs> I just haven't found my true potential. well hello and welcome to bro dancing the stone it's the podcast for myself renee sanchez and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What's up? Watch rom-coms and then record our thoughts and place them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners. Listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm happy to be recording on a Friday night for a change. Yeah. Friday night, date up. night. Yeah, baby. Uh, and also, you know, you're... You're taking advantage of one of your last Friday nights as a as a free man. Oh my God! Yeah, this is my last weekend before starting a new job. Holy shit! Yeah, Monday, baby. Oh Woo. my God! No, Tuesday. Tuesday. I start Tuesday. Uh, you start Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday, baby. Tuesday. Yeah. Holy fuck! I can't believe <laughs> it's the end of an era. It's a year and a half unemployed. Mm. But you know what? It'll have gainful employment, unlike the main character of the movie All About Steve, which is the movie that we watched this week. Who, who Mary loses her job in the book. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the movie's about. Yeah, that that's to, that's, that's the, the takeaway here. That, that's the only thing that this <laughs> film is and about. We have a lot to discuss. So we have a lot to unpackage with this one. Yes, a lot to unpack. Uh, Max, I believe you and I watched this for the first time today. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. First, I... first and uh, hopefully first of many, many great viewings to come. <laughs> the one thing I remember about this film is something I talked about at the end of the last podcast, which was the timing of how, when it was released compared to when it was filmed. Yeah, walk and me through we'll that talk again. About, and we're going to, it's going to go deep into that during the statistics of the film okay movie. okay okay but basically I need, I need to piece that shit together again because yeah, what the fuck basically this movie came out in september of 2009 in june of 2009 june 2nd of 2009 the hangover was released and was it was a huge hit right and then in, on june 16th of 2009 the proposal was released and was a huge hit for sandra bullock and then because those two actors were in this film that had already been filmed right before either of those other movies had been filmed and released, the uh, studio rush jobbed, edit, edited the film that they were sitting on and not sure what they were going to do about, and then released it in theaters in September. Jesus. To take advantage of the hot fire that those two actors had in popularity due to their huge films i mean so. it i mean it makes it makes total sense you take the star of a guy's movie in the hangover and yeah. the star of historically a lot of rom-coms so a 
typically a girl's movie and you yeah. fucking pair them together boom you've got the perfect match made in heaven for financial success yeah it's yeah because it's just you you basically are betting that just their names combined is going to get you to a certain monetary threshold it's sure shit at least going to pique your interest enough to be like huh maybe we could go see that well, when we talk about the budget of the film and the box office here in a little bit, then we'll we'll go further into depth of that. But that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the only that's thing that just, I remember Jesus. about this. That's what I remember about this film, and just and when seeing the trailer slash commercials on TV, thinking, "What the fuck is that? Like, and why yeah. are they doing that? And why is that the first thing immediately after these huge successes?" And then I look deeper into it and realize why. That's so that's, that's I'm so glad you fucking did that. Like that's diabolical well, because, to understand now. Yeah, and it's because like that w- it was because I like I'm a nerd about that kind of stuff. So like seeing that kind of show business move was just like, oh shit, this is unique cuz like you don't Yeah, that's they're, interesting they're, as shit. But there are like, you know, when someone breaks out there are instances where they, the last film they did before their breakout role was just being sat on. And then all of a sudden they rushed out the movie out. And that movie's just like a C quality piece of shit because they weren't famous yet. But you know, that studio and everyone tries to take advantage of their name now because they're hot and it's something that's been done before. But at the same time, this one was the most egregious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. But, Nonetheless, let's stop talking let's, about that. Yeah, we gotta stop. We, we gotta first, stop. During shitless month, shitless. Talk about the Rotten Tomato score. All right, All now, right. let's get into this the, shit. I've told you the score. This is my personal favorite part of the shitless month episodes. It's just to like listen to the actual like rantings and ravings of critics. Yeah, but also. My, I also like making you guess and seeing if you remember. Like, yeah, I, I do. Uh, you, you said, I think you told me it was, um, wasn't it 6%? 6%. Yeah. Rotten tomato score. Fucking 6%. Uh, that's... 6% over 140 reviews. The critics' okay. consensus. All about Steve is an oddly creepy, sour film featuring a heroine so desperate and peculiar that audiences may be more likely to pity than root for her. Wow, that's... Well, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's That's, you know, that's rude, but accurate. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh... Top critic Simon Brond of Empire Magazine gave it a one out of five. Okay. Bad review here. On paper, a crazy rom-com starring Sandra Bullock and Bradley Cooper could be, it could only be a good thing. Wrong. That's the snippet. That we That's it. About. That's it. Yeah. It very unique. <laughs> Another top critic, Ella Taylor of NPR. Uh, gave it a bad review as well. Uh, I started partly reading her article actually at the beginning of the film. Uh, they because it's NPR, 
and everything has to have a shtick. They decided that they're going to use fancy words, much like Mary does in the film, throughout the article. Oh my god! So just uh, oh. be prepared for this one. All about Steve is a messy assemblage of clumsy sight gags, winking reaction shots, and disingenuous populist genuflection to the uh, genuflection to the idea that there's no such thing as normal. We all see a little bit of Mary in ourselves, don't we? Don't we? Uh, I mean, that, yeah, I definitely would agree with that part. I mean, I definitely saw some of myself and in some of the things Mary was kind of touching on as a character. But still, it's like, do we really need that much of it in a, I don't know, in a rom-com? But... Uh... Clint O'Connor of the Cleveland Plain De- Dealer gave it a positive review. Okay. Gave the movie a B. So it's a certified fresh review. And he wrote Bullock as both co-producer and star. Make sure all about Steve sparkles with easy laughs. Well, that's true. That's like what we were saying about the gags. I will say this. Cooper and Sandra Bullock both gave a full effort oh absolutely neither of them thought this script is shit and i'm not even gonna try and i'm just gonna mail it in and cash this check both of them gave a shit when they performed Mm -hmm. it's just i don't no one no one knew what they were doing (laughs) like we'll we'll discuss yeah no one knew exactly what the identity of what they were doing was yeah that's a very good way to put it yes um Two more top critic reviews here. Uh, Kimberly Jones of the Austin Chronicle gave it a negative review. One out of five. Uh, Kooky? Hardly. Cringy? Most assuredly. That just immediately made me think of the bridge scene. (laughs) All right, one more positive one before we get to the final negative one. Okay. (laughs) Katina Vangopoulos of Movie Dex gave it a 3 out of 5, so it's technically a fresh review. Okay. All About Steve is survivable. <laughs> you'll, never, you'll never see such passion for a crossword anywhere else. Oh, yeah. I, I already kind of forgot about the crossword background of the character. <laughs> I got so caught up in the stalker aspect of it. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right let's hear this uh, let's hear this last bad one unless there's a couple more good ones i, I don't mind uh, these these are fun i mean i was gonna end with the top critic uh christy lemire of the associated press who said just when it seems all about steve couldn't grow any more insufferable it turns strangely sentimental um but we're gonna end with this negative review it was a given a D by Mark Pfeiffer of Real Times Reflections on Cinema, uh, whatever blog that is. Uh, All about Steve is constructed as a romantic comedy, but Mary's tireless stalker-like behavior suggests that this ought to be a horror film. <laughs> there it is. Uh, 
Everyone hold that thought. We're going to go through the stats first. Yeah. So there's a lot of put a bookmark here because we're going to go here. If this seems as a podcast to be a little scattershot, well, it's because we were, we were inspired by the movie that we just watched. Yeah, that's exactly we, the we format of the movie. We learned it from you, Dad. We learned it from you. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> come full circle with the dad issues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So the statistics of the film, All About Steve, is a 2009 American comedy film. Doesn't even say romantic in the stats, so I think it knew as well. Uh, directed by Phil Trail and starring Sandra Bullock, Thomas Hayden Church, and Bradley Cooper as the eponymous Steve. The film is the winner of two Golden Raspberry Awards, which are the exact opposite of the Oscars. I was going to uh, say, what the fuck are those? So the Golden Raspberry Awards, which are the call, also called the Razzies, is basically done on the same weekend as the Oscars, and it's to honor the worst movies of the year. Oh. So yes. it is actually the opposite. Yeah, it's done as a spoof of the Oscars. Oh, shit. The worst performances of the year. So, like, you know, you'll see your Lindsay Lohans. You'll see, like, nice. things like that. So, oh, uh, fucking Lindsay Lohan. I totally forgot about her. Yeah, apparently Lindsay Lohan, uh, when I was reading about The Hangover, which we'll talk about here shortly, a little bit more, um, she uh, was offered a role in that film and declined it. In The Hangover? Yeah. As what? I have no idea. The stripper uh, that, that uh, what's his name, hooks up with? Yeah, or possibly as the bride. Oh, maybe. I mean, weird. The bride could have had a different, more in-depth role if if they had brought Lindsay Bowen in. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Um. So, this film was written by Kim Barker and then produced by Sandra Bullock and Mary Mary McGlagan. I don't know. So basically, Sandra Bullock is like the main co-producer. So yeah, that that puts it into context right there, like. That why it even got made. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, the studio, uh, technically the production company, is Fox 2000 Pictures. So Fox 2000 Pictures uh, is actually... What? Uh, is, a, yeah. It's basically a, an offshoot of 20th Century Fox, which is the main parent company. Um, I don't know why, but then... They made like these smaller companies that would put out the smaller films. Like I think it's probably to like avoid monopoly arguments and things like that. But these bigger production companies would then make smaller production companies, which would then produce these films. So like Jesus. Sony, so Sony Pictures has Sony Pictures Classics and Sony Pictures Classics, you know, does films. I believe Sony Pictures Classics has, are the ones who, if I'm not mistaken, well, they did they did uh, Celeste and Jesse Forever. So there's that. But like a lot of films that you would see at Salem Cinema, like a lot of independent oh, films, yeah, yeah, yeah. like smaller films, indie films. Yeah. Sony Pictures Classics was like one of the main, you know, offshoots, but they're basically Sony Pictures, which is a big production company. So like 
all these bigger production companies had smaller production companies that made these smaller films. So this one was done by a smaller production company of a big production company, okay. Fox 2000. Um, it, it's but the, the, but was it actually 2009? It wasn't. That when it was filmed, yeah, no, we'll get to that. Um, it was released September 4th of 2009. This film, uh, it's the it's supposedly 99 minutes but like nine of that are credits so basically it's an hour and a half which is like yeah that's perfect so that's it's still it still felt like an hour 50. Uh, um, yeah yeah how much did they spend to make this film um Fifty-two million. Fifteen million. Okay. I only spent fifteen. How? Oh, because Sandra Bullock was producer, so she probably. I mean, Sandra Bullock producer, so she probably got a significant paycheck to be in this film. Um, Yeah, but Bradley Cooper. On top of that, well, Bradley Cooper wasn't quite the big name before when this was filmed. Because this was, remember, filmed before The Hangover was filmed and released. So they already had it. True, true. That's so he probably true. got his rate and they kept it. So, uh, but at the same time, the CGI in the film, uh, it looked like it was, <laughs> it looked like it was on location in a lot of places. Like in, uh, yeah. Which, uh, that's, that's what it was. Um, they also chose some pretty cheap locations. It's not like they were, you know, it, it, it was just in California. Um, so anyway, how much did it make in the box office before we get into that? All right. So they spent 15 million. I'm going to say it. I don't know. It's Sandra Bullock and Bradley Cooper. I'm thinking it made a decent amount. So 110 mil? It made 40.1 million. I mean, that's still... I mean, if they only spent 15, that's pretty decent still, but... Let's let's look at it this way. Is it believable that they spent $15 million on everything that this film encompasses? When you think about filmmaking... Honestly, honestly, yes, because I'm kind of surprised that Sandra Bullock and Bradley Cooper's paychecks alone aren't more than 15 million. That even that this film isn't of the greatest quality in writing and a lot of other things, it's still not like. It's still not not surprising that they spent 15 million dollars on it, right? Yes. It, now, when you think of the quality of this film and what we just watched, is it surprising to hear that it made $40.1 million? This film doesn't deserve... Let me answer that for you. This film doesn't deserve $400,000. Alright? This film is a festering <laughs> turd of a fucking movie. I mean, so I, I... I get I what you think. I get why... I get the pause. I get the pause. 
I get everything else because you think you're thinking in comparison to such and such and so and so and how films go. You're thinking of like a normal world. But when you think of this film and the quality of the film that we watch, how could you possibly argue that it's a, <laughs> it's worth making forty million dollars? Like it, it this like it should there they shouldn't have made four million dollars. There are films that have been of better quality that have made much less than this fucking film. Like we watched like sleeping with other people, which is one of my favorite movies. And like, and we've watched it on this podcast and that film as an indie film, like made maybe a million dollars combined in like everything it's ever done. And yet this fucking thing made $40 million in a fucking theater in the theater run in a goddamn theater run. So let's talk about the production of the film. <laughs> it began in July of 2007. <sighs> July of 2007. 2007. For fuck's sake. Two years and two months before it was actually released. Why? Sandra Bullock, they found a, they had a script. And as I... Did they, though? Did they, though? Did they have that's, a script? No, no. That's what I'm saying. I'm positing to you, like, as I said earlier, I feel like one of the first drafts was probably a movie that had a lot more heart. That probably talked about the fact that Mary probably has a mental illness that no one's discussing. Dude. Like possibly I, Asperger's. I, I literally, ju- like, I Googled for the podcast, I Googled all about Steve. Yeah. First link, Wikipedia. Then underneath it, people also ask, first question, is Mary from All About Steve autistic? Yes. Like, that's... I feel feel so vindicated for, like, discussing that with you during the movie. (laughs) Like, that's... I'm not, like, answering that as, like, in the affirmative, like, yes, she is autistic. But I'm answering in that, obviously, there was some sort of mental acuity that could have been like discussed and really delved deep if this was a different type of film but this is a comedic a comedic film with romantic comedy leanings so they basically just say she's weird she's kooky yeah she wears the same boots everywhere they're weird boots you know it's like so (laughs) but at the same time i could see a first draft or a second draft of this film actually go into what mental illness does she possibly have that it could lead to an obsession of this variety after a 10 minute romantic encounter. I could see it being an even a later draft and it being censored out kind of thing where it's like, well, you can't, you can't explicitly mention it. So just take it out, but you can leave the rest of that shit in there. Like, I don't care. And, you know, and then probably like this 20th century Fox and Fox 2000, coming together and, you know, talking to the producers and director and like the filmmakers, like, so yeah, I, you know, this is, this is coming out pretty good, but what if we made this a little more of a rom-com, you know, like we have Sergio Bullock, what if we got someone young and hot, like Bradley Cooper in the film? Like, you know, what if, what yeah. if we, you know, what if we started trying this or trying that? And then they basically turned it into what this was. And then, and it was just, I feel like it was a fight for like the quote unquote soul of the movie which was the protesters and they're like way too self-serious 
like part. Yeah. And then the big studio, which was the big media in the film, that was like, like we have ideas, and this is like we have ideas about how to make this better. And it's almost as if uh, that Thomas Hayden Church's character is the fucking studio that came up with the ideas for this script that was about something completely different. And it's almost as if they are the two sides that are warring. Yeah. As I said, this film is about how the news media destroyed the print media. How (laughs) the big studios are fucking taking away the scripts of the hard-writing writers and turning it into something that isn't even their own. This is a... (laughs) God. I mean, this movie is actually... like. That's my biggest complaint is this movie is about several things and it needs to pick a direction. I felt like it was just like a bunch of loose shit thrown together Mm -hmm. and tied up with a bunch of hilarious gags with two leads who can actually fucking hold their own in acting. Mm -hmm. But my God, there was no cohesion to any sort of real storyline. Yep. Um, we'll uh, we'll finish up talking of uh, the production release and everything. Uh, production began in July twenty seven or twenty oh seven. Parts of the film were shot at the Mayfield Senior School in Pasadena, California. Okay. And then there are scenes. Scenes that featured the collapsed mine and sinkhole were filmed at the Walt Disney Company's Golden Oak Ranch in Canyon Country, California. So they basically filmed it all in California. Yeah. Um, that fucking the film, was a, the film was originally scheduled for release on March 6th of 2009. So they literally could not figure out when to release this. I think the idea was probably they filmed it in the summer of 2007, probably thinking maybe... Maybe it's a Valentine's Day sitch, if not a Valentine's Day sitch next next summer with these you know bigger named actors, and then they never really found, like they couldn't find the quality of the movie, so they basically were just like ah, ah I don't know this film problem. Let's just get it. Let's just get it out of here. Go. Let's go March of the next year, and so then they waited. And then in March they're just like ah, ah, I don't even know anymore. Like. <laughs> And then they just kept holding it and holding it. And then I see it. I see it also getting just like pushed farther and farther back during post production, where it's just like, yeah. Uh, I mean, we yeah. still got to finish editing the last like six minutes, but like you know, you know, we can get a team together for that next week. Uh, you know, like we'll we'll do that next week comes and get a team together for the last six minutes. Well, we we still got like the credits to do and the DVD release and. Just I I see it also getting just completely pushed back like that. The fucking bureaucracy of big corporation firms like that. Studios. Yeah. Uh, the film opened at number three when it came out. Behind the previous two weeks number one movies, which was The Final Destination... <laughs> another horror <film. laughs> oh my god okay yeah and inglorious bastards oh yeah of suspenseful 
mysterious film. Uh, also really fucking dark. Yeah. I feel like both of those films are perfect encapsulations of two thirds of what this film is. It's a it's a comedy that tries to be a rom com and it's and is weird, but it's also a horror film and it's also a film with like this you know elaborate story suspense like thriller of like what happens next oh my god sort of thing i I mean like children deaf children (laughs) yes let's just talk about it now let's Let's just talk about it we gotta talk about it we're we're gonna talk about the stats we got are are we are we though like did we get through them we we're done yeah the last thing was the reception of the film which was obviously we've talked about at the beginning six fucking percent as it should have been. Anyway, yes. The deaf children. Dude, the deaf children. Deaf Which children. Was part of the horror film. Deaf children fell in a fucking... Okay, it's not even a sinkhole. Okay, a sinkhole would have been better. They fell in an abandoned mine shaft. They fell down through a rocky cavern for God knows how far, ricocheting off the walls immediately like looks like 50-ish feet easily yes what what the what the fuck that's so dark for a rom-com into a hole of water that maybe looks like it's three feet by three feet yeah like maybe six foot by six foot in the diameter of the of the of the hole because like maybe a six foot person could lay across from like, and if they put their hands out to probably reach from one side to the other side across that water. Yeah. It is not wide. Yeah. It is not, it is not wide. And the, we're supposed to say like, however many seven or eight or nine kids fell into that hole and all of them fell one directly after the other into this very small water hole, 50 feet down, swam back up, from that dive without any injuries got over onto the dry land and then sat there waiting cold before like what do you mean getting saved because they what they fell in the water and then now you are have wet clothes when you get out of the water and you're sitting there waiting for them to come get you Oh, you mean after they're safe, like after the crane goes down and gets them and brings yeah. them up and the firefighters yeah. bring them all up, the they're sitting up there and they're cold. And they're all being, yeah, they're all being brought up dry too. They, none of them are wet. Well, also, yeah, another lovely, I mean, we could go all day about the fucking discrepancies out throughout this movie, but. And then there's also, you bring everyone up and somehow the chaperones and everyone else doesn't realize uh, we had eight kids. Dude, they never explain that. Nope. They never explain that. What is, they literally just got done saying, multiple people got done saying, we got everyone. Everyone's up. That's everybody. And Mm -hmm. then magically, Sandra Bullock falls down and finds one last girl down there. And they communicate with at the very beginning somehow. And yet. But magically learn sign language. By the end, has learned sign language, and also this she, this girl is no longer deaf because she's now responding to what Sandra Bullock says. 
Now, granted, you can make the leap of faith in that the deaf girl probably knows how to read lips, which is why she knows what Sandra Bullock is saying without Sandra Bullock signing it to her. But even if you make that leap of logic, there's still the whole thing about how that fucking kid fell 50 fucking feet and is somehow dry and not dead. Or how Sandra Bullock is 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 not dead. Just like, had, a, had how Sandra Bullock had a bloody leg. Yeah, like your your both of your fucking legs would be broken. Like there's no this, way this girl is completely fine. The little kid, all the little kids are completely fine and dry. Yeah, she's just she's just quietly curled up in the corner waiting for Sandra Bullock to come crashing on down. In a movie that is so illogical. Jesus. This leap of logic is still frustrating as absolute fuck. What's what's worse is that, like, it, it comes out of nowhere. I mean, it it's exactly what it did to the kids. It did it to us. It, they did the same thing. They what I assume was CGI of the kids falling in. We're just slowly panning across this long, vast field. It's peaceful and beautiful. And suddenly we see the children just get sucked into the ground. My brain, my high ass brain is sitting there going, what did I just like? My brain is trying to unpackage what I just saw. Like what? That's where did what they I'm go? About, that's what I'm saying about horror film. Like what the, the fuck? Horror film. Why are we horror seeing that in this? That. Yeah. Horror films do that. Like horror films also have <laughs> Mary show up oh my at god Steve's dude. work in oklahoma oh my like, god how scary dude is it when steve steve's second interaction with mary is to see her at the bridge of the children's hospital in oklahoma you were hanging out in that's, sacramento california that's northern northern california northern california so now we go down to southern and then through arizona through new mexico through texas and then up to oklahoma like that's how far she has come to see you for a second time after just a makeout sesh and a quick feeling of her boobs when you haven't had any contact with her whatsoever and 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 you just discovered she made an entire crossword puzzle about you in yes. the sacramento herald yes and then on top of that real quick i have to bring up this point because it just came into my mind why is there a nationwide cable news network based out of sacramento all right, back to this. Give a valid question. <laughs> Yet another of the many questions. What did you tell me? I'm going to tell you the same thing during the movie. You told me, Max, you got to stop asking questions. You got to stop asking questions. It's like it's like the it's like the frustrated dad to the kid that's just, but why? But why? But why? Because I said so. Now shut the hell up. Max, you just got to stop asking questions. <laughs> like, you have to stop. <laughs> oh, my God. That scene, dude. That scene. I legitimately was frightened. That The look of her, like her happy dance when she does the fluttering. The and fucking fluttering. 
but also, because it's Sandra Bullock, part of it is cute as fuck, and I yeah, hate it's that. Well, it's well done. Oh my god, yeah. That's the thing. It's it's well done because Sandra Bullock and Bradley Cooper are actually good actors who were right? actually trying. Yeah, exactly, and exactly. So, yeah. So and, a lot of what Sam, we'll, we can get into that later, but like a lot of what she does, even in that scene, is like it's fuck, it's it's a little endearing, but like when she goes full sprint into that bridge. The look on her face, her eyes, dude, the eyes. They're crazy, man. <laughs> They're crazy. Oh my God. And I, but also I will give kudos to the director for the way that they framed it, which was how he saw her through the camera mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then she disappeared and he's like, wait, yeah, no, it's fine. And then he sees her through the camera again. At on the, the bridge oh, doing God. the fluttery dance. That oh, shot was yeah. a horror film shot. Yes, absolutely. That shot, that shot and like Rob Zombie and his stupid fucking like <laughs> drug addled brain couldn't have come up with a shot scarier than that. All right? <laughs> that shit was frightening. That was. Because then, it's then it goes from that shot to him putting it down and you see her running at you. Yes. And with that crazed look in her eyes, yeah. it, it's, oh my God. It was like, yeah, like that really was a horror, horror scene. Yeah. A million percent. And that then, elicited the same effect. <laughs> and then somehow we get a slight microcosm of a scene that basically represents the vaxxers versus the anti-vaxxers. Oh, yeah. Because you have the protesters who believe this baby should keep their third leg. Yeah, what the fuck? There's another direction. Like, what? where did that come from? And then, and then people who think that the leg should be God. And then, and then a simple question of the, un, like, is brought up, which is... Mary asking the the lady that she ends up hanging out with and becomes friends with. Yeah, what was her name? Maybe I don't know, but what happens after ever after has her firmly implanted in it. So ooh, wait for that. Ooh, ooh. Um, so I should. Pro- yeah. I'll, I'll look up her name. <laughs> yeah, we should. Whole, we yeah. should probably know her name. Probably, yeah. Uh, but no, um, Elizabeth. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Uh, cool. Uh, but nonetheless, she asked Elizabeth, well, is the leg functioning and everything else? Because then, you know, maybe the it, it provides a physical, you know, advantage. Right. And like, But she says it in her, like, words way because she's a crossword puzzle person. And the response from Elizabeth is, you said a lot of big words there, and I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. That is basically uh, anti-vaxxers' response to any sort of reaction to their argument. That, like, that's been the uh, here's evidence. Here's evidence as to why you are immensely incorrect. You said a lot of big words there, and who do you? Who are you supposed to believe anyway? Why? Why would you believe that? Why would I believe you? <sighs> Wow. Yeah, that was a little microcosm of a scene. You're right. I was thinking that the whole time. It was like some weird little 
like a fucking debate that we've had over the last six months with everyone, seemingly. There's always one day of news that reflects it. And then? And then. <laughs> There's... And I mean, and... I, let's get. I want to talk about the ending where I was yelling that there were ten things like that made no sense in the last minute and fifteen seconds. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, Can, I don't even remember how much. There's a. I feel like there's so much to unpackage. Jesus. When they, when they, and by they I mean Thomas A. Church's character. I forget his first name. Hen. Bird or it's some weird motherfucking name, but it's Hughes. Uh, Hartman. Hartman. Hartman yeah. Hughes. Hartman Hughes. That's the, the douchey word. news anchor or wannabe yeah. news anchor. Yeah. So when Hartman, the deaf girl, and Mary come out of the sinkhole, like first off, just they choose to play Drops of Jupiter. Like, what by, the fuck? By trade. Like, what, what the what? fuck? And they play, like, the big flourish part where, uh, like, let me, <laughs> let me look up. Like, I, you play, you choose Drops of Jupiter after after choosing, and albeit reusing again later in the movie, a, a cake song? So like well, solid I music mean, choice there, and then you go to Drops yeah. of Jupiter, but the for the grand is, finale, I mean, so they played the part like the outro, which was where he yells like, "And did you finally get a chance to dance along the light of day? And did you fall from a shooting star? Fall from a shooting star?" Right. And so they're trying to use, I guess, the literal for like coming up against the light of day and falling from a shooting star. Like they're literally coming back to earth. Like they're using those like literal lyrics to represent what was going on. But then they edit back to earlier in the song. So they use the end of the song and then they do a horrible cut edit job to, and then they go back to the lyric. That's the fucking, uh, can you imagine no love, pride, deep fried chicken? They go to that lyric. And then your best friend always sticking up for you even when I know you're wrong. Like, and it's just like, why are you going what? to the deep fried chicken line? Yeah. What, what sense does that line even make? Why Why would you do a horrible cut to this? Why would you choose the song? Like, there's already four questions surrounding the song just, choice. Just the song just choice. Just the song choice and how and what they chose from the song. And then on top of all that, the science of the escape. Like, I mean, what the fuck? That's you can easily explain that away the way that you would explain them falling in and surviving. It's a movie, bro. Stop asking questions. Yeah, stop asking. So questions. Like, <laughs> I mean, honest, I mean, we essentially do that for rom coms anyway. Like we we constantly yeah. remind ourselves but, of that, but still. But at the same time, this, like it's a filmmaking choice when it comes to the song, and that was yeah. completely off. Yeah. And then on top of that, just like everyone like coming up and like clapping for them, and like all of a sudden, just everyone's like reactions. 
the firefighters, one of them picks up the other. Like, oh all the God, reaction yeah. shots that they chose, like, every one of those is a question. Like, everything about that ending scene was absolutely insane. It, like... See, it's you, it seems like that. You have, you have the truck driver listening to it on the radio. Yeah. Celebrate. It's, I, like, I, like, I get it. You're trying to show that she she has affected and touched so many people's lives and she's improved all of their lives with her presence that yeah she's a cheerful happy person to be around blah 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 i get it i i think that's a great angle but it's so overplayed that like it seems like that there were several others that made me think it's like again what direction are you choosing because these scenes make me think you're trying to be a hallmark movie like that's yeah constantly what i kept asking was like is this like am i watching a hallmark movie that just happens to have some really good actors in it yeah because like what the fuck i (laughs) it's like some arbitrary song choice that's meant to jog some emotional reaction from you followed by the most over exuberant climactic scene of any rom-com I think we've watched. Which uh, it's like, the, and the just word, like, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Un, the word unearned comes to mind. When I that. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if you're okay, if that scene had been in an actual rom-com, I probably would have dug it. Like <laughs> knowing me, I probably would have fucking dug it. But it had to be at the end of an actual rom-com because then it builds up to that. And by that point, an hour and 20 in, you're fully invested. You are ready for this shit to go down. You are rooting for this couple and fuck yeah, boom. She gets what she truly deserves as a person. We got a romantic couple hooked up together. It's all coming together. That's a rom-com ending. I can get on board with that. But this bullshit, what are you trying to do? Yeah, the the like the whole she's not normal, but she's being embraced and cherished for it. And now this woman who was pitied is now the star, and everyone is a star. Yeah. Uh, again, again, I, I like that's another angle. It's like that's another direction. I like the potential of that direction. I love that they're touching on a romantic, a potentially romantic lead. We keep saying romantic, but you're, you're it's, right. It's not. <laughs> but a lead that is not the most charismatic hero type person character that we would come across in any other rom-com. You know, mm-hmm. it's a flawed person. It's a real human that has her own issues, her own personality, her own quirks, whatever. And no matter what they are or what she has, quote unquote, the lesson is fucking appreciate her as she is because she's the shit. Like, I love that message. But then roll with it. Make Mm -hmm. like then you cheese it up and you kind of I feel like they took away something from the momentum of that direction with like her narration cut-ins 
like all of the overlays where she's narrating. You know what I mean? Yeah, which that they chose to start doing 20 some odd minutes into the film. Right? Like it was a ways in, right? Yes. And it, she just randomly shows up. Like I, we randomly start hearing her overlaid on top of what we're watching. <laughs> like the one thing I've learned on this journey of life. And it's like, <laughs> Sandra, where the fuck did you come from? The fuck is this? The just fuck like, is this? Yeah. I just the fuck is you. <laughs> but because it's Sandra Bullock, it's like, okay, I don't I don't hate seeing you or hearing you. Like <laughs> if I'm in a rom com mood, yeah, it's Sandra Bullock. Like I can't hate this. Like <laughs> this movie plays with my emotions and I fucking hate it. It plays with my emotions in all the wrong ways. It's like we're going to give you things you think you like, but then we're going to fuck with you. <laughs> and it's going to seem extra weird because you're high. <laughs> because you're, you're going to watch children fall into a mine. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not sign up for this bullshit. I was sitting down for a nice, quiet Friday night date night rom-com. And I got to watch children fall into a mine. <laughs> God damn. Deaf children, by the way. What the fuck? I can't. I'm not going to get over that for a while. Like, that's going to stick with me. Like, what the f is CGI or not? Uh, yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Fucking ridiculous. And they don't even uh, reward us with a couple hooking up at the end. It's basically just, you know. Mary Horowitz well, starts to learn a life lesson and we get to see her, you know, excited about learning that lesson. And that's it. And it's like, cool. That's great. But it's funny you should say that because what happens after ever after. Oh, boy. Is that hug that she shares between Elizabeth and herself and whoever DJ Qualls's character's name is. Um, Howard, apparently. Howard. All right, cool. So the three of them engage. Threesome. Not only that, they are become a relationship triangle. Ooh. They actually are progressive. Ooh. And they travel the they travel the United States in their jalopy of a car, <laughs> having adventures as a thruple. Chasing tornadoes. Chasing tornadoes. Uh, trying to save more kids from more wells. Uh, <laughs> they're like the a team but worse so they're the b team all the while engaging in finger popping and tonguing places <laughs> that they never expected to the shag wagon uh, yes so i i feel wow like this is the most interesting hap or after ever after you gotten there us. was a rom-com there you guys were just too close to the picture to see the whole thing. And it's a super it's a, open it's a minded. Thruple. It's a thruple. Sandra Bullock, so Mary and Elizabeth and Howard are all fucking at the same time together constantly. Uh, I want to see that movie. I guess there's only one kiss of the film, and that would be when they make out in the in the car at the very beginning. Uh, uh, oh my Steve. god, you're right. <laughs> and honestly, I give it a B because it's a solid establishing scene. Like, it, 
it's not a good reason why, but it is a reason why this whole film happens. Yeah. That make out scene. The initial lurch, like the when she's looking at Steve, immediately thinks he's hot. The way that they close up on his lips and everything else, and then she decides she's gonna go at him and try to like yeah, the, the seatbelt seat chokes the seat Yeah, that was inspired. Like oh the way my that god, Sandra Bullock performed it is what made it funny. Oh my god, Sandra Bullock like fucking embraced that exact thing. So. Her physical I gags see. in every single fucking movie. I swear to God. Yeah. She is amazing. Yeah. She's an incredible physical comedic actor. I mean, that's 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 guy. how miscongeniality happened. Like, the yeah, fact I that mean, she was able to pull that of, off. Parts of the proposal. Like, when she's dancing. Exactly. When she's doing, like, the dance with Betty White. Like, the Native American. Oh, yeah. Or and like she, the scene, the the gag with the white fluffy dog that gets carried away with by the eagle, yeah. Uh, the stripper scene, like all yeah. of her, all of her super awkward physical gag scenes. I like her awkwardness is so palpable and endearing. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I. Uh, but yeah, I give it a B. I mean, because at the same time, the kiss itself and like the whole makeout scene is like. I mean, it's yeah. Still, it's still a dumb idea, and they shouldn't pursue it. Like, stop, stop, don't go any further, <laughs> don't make this movie. But at the same time, there was some funny parts of it, so I give it a B. What about you? I, I think I'd agree. A B is a good grade for it. It's, I mean, the kiss itself between Bradley Cooper and Sandra Bullock. It's, it's a good kiss. They're good actors. It's a great scene. It's hilarious. Um, the context of the movie in the movie itself is is weird. So yeah, I wouldn't give it an A, because especially since it's like yeah, this isn't a rom com and it, they're not really building. I would have loved to see them actually build towards a relationship. Like this could have been a, a hilarious beginning of a rom com, you know. And like, mm -hmm. oh my God, they start out on the like worst wrong foot where she's slightly stalkerish. And then she, I would have loved to see her learn this lesson over the course of the movie. And over the course of that, Bradley Cooper ends up becoming a little enamored by her or with her, you know? I mean, that was probably one of the, like, one of the ideas from the studio that the writers bucked punked against is like, this isn't about, you know, this isn't a rom-com. This isn't about like she gets with Bradley Cooper's character. This is about her, you know, being embraced for who she is and that normal is a construct. I feel like but that you was could have accomplished that in a rom-com too. I feel like that was the initial idea of the fucking like script and then the and then with each draft it was a constant battle yeah. of what movie they were making yeah which and is they, a shame and they ended up doing what they did if that is the case that's that's fucking stupid of them because they could have they could have gone that route some of the best rom-coms are good because the characters themselves develop some sort of independent thought mm -hmm. like we're not just sitting here watching oh you know, Prince Charming and the princess ride off into the sunset together. It's 
this isn't fantasy. I mean, it is fucking, it's like adulthood fantasy, but it's, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's not, it's not kid fantasy. Yeah. So like you could have totally had this, this person who starts out in the movie so reliant on someone else filling a void in her life, which they even touch on in, in script, in dialogue. She mentions that, I think, during one of her weird little narration overlays. <laughs> but, like, they even touch on that. Like, it's it's about developing yourself and being independent and not relying on someone so much. So we could have had a character like that, that develops, that learns a little bit, that, yeah, starts out whatever, call her whatever you want. But in script, it starts out, quote unquote, a little weird from the norm of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then over the course, not only does she learn how to accept herself for that and be her own person, and we see her grow and we root for her because of that. But then over the course of that, a guy who started off terrified by every aspect of her starts to learn more about her and become actually in love with her. He already becomes kind of intrigued by her. We see that at the end when he's like rooting for her to get out of the hole and like coming to her defense in front of the media. That's the rom-com way. If, it's, if this was, if this was all like, the makings were there. Yeah. If this is a quote unquote normal rom-com. That would have been the way. But. Yeah. Like, I feel like this was a completely obvious path that was missed. I I don't. That's what I'm saying, though. I don't necessarily think it was missed. I think it was the filmmakers In, trying to stick to the original vision, even if it fucked up what ended up coming out of it. Yeah, which is what ended up happening. So then, that's that's what I'm asking. That's my question to what is it, 20th Century Fox? And, and honestly, we're just positing theories, but quite frankly, the world will never know because uh, yeah. one, no one gives a fuck, <laughs> and two. And, and two, I don't think the filmmakers or the actors want to talk about this ever <laughs> Well, obviously Sandra Bullock does because she co-produced it. I don't think she wants to talk about the fact that she co-produced the start in this film. Oh, Sandra that. Bullock, I love you so like, much, but what the we fuck? Didn't, we didn't get like a 10-year oral history about this, which once again, I find it extremely interesting the timing of when this film came out and the whole backstory of how the studio like just like piggyback jumped on their on the success of the two films that come out earlier in the summer yeah like that's an interesting story to that's... at least have a like one of those 10 year remember this happened 10 years ago when like bradley cooper and sandra bullock took over in the summer and then randomly of all this festering turd of a fucking movie came out like <laughs> There were no retrospectives. There were no oral histories about this. There were no articles. The only things that's out there are fucking reviews because no one wants to revisit this goddamn movie beyond what they've already visited it because it's that fucking bad. So my verdict is I'm going to kill this film. <laughs> the most frustrating part. Sorry, did you want to elaborate on your verdict? I think I already gave my okay. explanation before yeah. Feel free to give your verdict, sir, and, the most, and the whatever most, else you have to say. The most frustrating part of this is that, I mean, aside from everything we've already covered, the most frustrating part is just, again, I, I feel like it had potential. I feel like I've said this about a lot of movies we watch lately. 
it had so much potential. It had so many ways it could have gone if it had just chosen a direction. Like, fuck, I suffer from that in my own goddamn life. But, <laughs> but like a movie, like for fuck's sake, there were so many different ways you could have gone with it. And all of them were actually like they had their pluses. And it just, I don't know. It bums me out. Cause like there was a lot of good shit about it. There were like, there was some shit that I liked paying attention to. There were some really funny gags. Like we didn't some even talk about those. Funny. Like some yeah, of the gags yeah. were pretty fucking funny. We talked about the seatbelt gag. That the seatbelt. Yeah. Um, I mean, most of the gags were funny because, again, Sandra Bullock and Bradley Cooper know their shit. They know how to. They know how to perform a gag. That's for sure. And and that's what pisses me off even more is you even have these two great actors as your leads. You have the potential. They actually like. They weren't even actually developing a relationship between them, and yet somehow they actually had chemistry. They had on-screen chemistry for whatever brief time it was. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Like it's, well, it's I, like they he, were so when, close. When he when he became nice to her at the end, I would agree. Yes, but even even okay, even the car scene, even the nah. car scene, nah, uh, nah. It's it's awkward chemistry. But imagine that scene out of the context of this entire movie. Imagine that scene in an actual rom com that you and I are used to watching, as that the initial like first date like the two of them acting you and i would have been like oh my god this is so fucking awkward and it's like cringeworthy still but with the two of these people acting and us believing that there may eventually be some sort of romantic relationship down the line in this movie from these two people we would be involved in that scene they were you don't think so she the the dialogue is not designed for that to happen well that that's well yeah the dialogue brings it down the dialogue like you, that scene is, the dialogue is the scene and if you're if we're talking about that scene by itself then like you have I mean, to the dialogue with it i was so talking about I, more I disagree, of the i disagree with you i was I, talking like, about more of like the way they look at each other and the way they like physically interact with each other i guess is what i was thinking about like there's it they look super comfortable with each other it's believable that they are going on a date that these are, it's just it's good director, acting like the, the, the direct like the whole coming down the stairs and the look at like i the because how the director and the filmmakers yeah. it's, it's good acting kind of ruined movie. by a bad script and Okay. It, it the whole thing the like i wouldn't mind those scenes if they were in the context of an actual rom-com but it seemed like every scene that was like that or could have been like that they turned into some sort of gag or some sort of comedic yeah. scene and it's like again choose a direction like what are we doing here anyway your verdict i i kill it but reluctantly like it's not worth watching, but it should be. Like, there's a lot there, and there's I laughed a lot. So well, it, it's a kill you know with, what, a, with a with a I don't know you, an asterisk. You know what they say? You know, the the reluctant mouse gets the cheese. That was said by 
the the first professor, the first deaf professor of so and so. I'm trying to reference like how she would come up with these random ass quotes, then then say like who it was. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. The the one she told the deaf girl about the one thing I can't do is here. That was the first deaf president at such and such university. Yada yada. Uh, yeah. I was it, trying to come up with that joke, and I. No, yeah, I, I got you. It it failed as much as this film did. So you can find our socials. At Bromancing the Stone Podcast, all one word together on Instagram, um, at Bro the Stone Pod on Twitter, and then find me on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E and Super, so S U P R Market Sweep, and then at Reluce88 is my Instagram. That's R E L U S A 88. Max? On Instagram, you can find me at The Lionhearted, which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. I really want to change that. I really want to change that. <laughs> I, I really wish and, there weren't other people in the world named Max Lyon. It's infuriating. How dare you? should you? obviously change your last name to Power. Max Power? <laughs> <laughs> I got my name idea off of a hairdryer. <laughs> That's a Simpsons reference. Shout oh, out. is it? Yeah. That's a good joke. <laughs> um, Homer Simpson decides to change his name to Max Power. And then he's like, you're now meeting Max Power. And then, uh, like, Lisa goes, oh, it's, you know, quite distinguished. He's like, yep, I got it from looking at a hairdryer. (laughs) (laughs) And then then Marge goes, I didn't marry Max Power. I married Homer Simpson. When I make love, I want to make love to Homer Simpson. And, And then Homer goes, Max Power doesn't make love. (laughs) <laughs> with max power you just strap in and feel the cheese <laughs> jesus oh, oh my god I, I know i've used that reference i before think you have I on this podcast I think and i've have. explained that joke i think you on have. this podcast before but you and i have been imbibing in some cannabis so therefore everyone oh. got to hear it again oh my god they need a Next week, it is Max's choice for our final entry of Shitless Month as we've added All About Steve to the shitlist. God, see, that like, uh, it pisses me off. I don't want to add that one to the shitlist, but it's, it's got to go. Sandra Bullock, this, I'm I'm really disappointed. It's, it has to go because of the filmmaker's decisions. Yes, we're not, exactly, we're not, exactly. It's not the performer's fault in this one. Yeah. It's the filmmaker's and and like that's it. It, like, it wasn't it wasn't a uh, what happens in Vegas type of shitless movie. Yeah. It, it the wasn't. Script writers stunk. Yeah. The studio ideas stunk. The idea, the story whole as like as a whole stunk. It all stunk. And like the performers had no chance from jump. The only th- the only thing you can say about Sandra Bullock's performance is as a producer, she performed poorly in even trying to make this scripted fucking film in the first place. <laughs> anyway, your choice for the last film of Shitless Month. Um, well, I think it's obvious. And I think yeah, we already said it too. I think it's obvious. I think we got to do it right, unless unless there is some we other. Gotta do it. We got to do it. We There's no do. other clear favorite we have to do, right? To no, wrap up the month. No, that like this movie was considered. If you like what happens in Vegas, or if you like all about Steve, 
than you would like and this film came up about yeah and and it's written by the same person who wrote wrote, what happens in vegas and another movie we covered the wedding day the wedding day yeah so without further ado we will wrap up this month with couples retreat couples retreats so the vince vaughn extravaganza yeah Vince Vaughn, Kristen Bell. Who else is in that? Malin Ackerman, I believe. Oh, yeah. Hank John Azaria, Favreau. Yeah. Who is? Hank Azaria. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway. Who else? Who else? John Favreau. He already said him. Jason Bateman. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of people so we'll Kristen, watch that next Kristen week Davis. crazy what a fucking weird ass <laughs> movie um okay yeah next week jesus it'll be my first time uh so this will be i honestly I, I think i've seen bits and pieces of this on cable like whenever it's one of those movies that's on cable a lot i think i watched 10 minutes of it on cable once yeah, yeah i've seen yeah, bits and it. pieces here and there and i have no idea i don't I don't know what the actual cohesive narrative is. <laughs> Me either. And we're going to find out together. Until then, for the tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all. And we will catch you later. Love you guys.